Good day, everyone. This is Dr. Alex coming to you from the Beyond Physio podcast, where we talk about physical therapy practice and beyond. Today's episode, we are speaking on the modality of cupping. Cupping is not used primarily in physical therapy, but in many different practices, acupuncture, chiropractic. And what we're speaking about today is the origin of cupping, the benefits of cupping, some contraindications, and who it may best be suited for. So the origin of cupping is actually up to debate for many historians. Uh, Some claim that it was first discovered by either the Chinese Eastern practitioners or Egyptians. So many people believe that it was invented by the Chinese. However, cupping therapy dates back to around 3500 BC. The first pictures or Hieroglyphics recorded of cupping date back to uh, 1550 BC in the Ebers Papyrus, which is among the oldest preserved medical documents. Drawings of cupping were found in the Egyptian temple of Kom Ombo. Uh, I may have uh, ruined that name, um, but in the Alexar to uh, illustrate their advancements in treating disease. According to the Journal of Integrative Medicine, the Arabic name for cupping therapy is alhimya, which means literally to reduce in size or more generally to return the body back to its natural state. So in other words, uh, cupping therapy refers to a balancing of the body. Um, You may have heard this in Eastern culture or um, other cupping where they are trying to detoxify the body or reduce toxins uh, along their meridians or the chi. The Egyptians initially used cupping to treat various illnesses, including fever, pain, vertigo, uh, menstrual imbalances, weakened appetite, um, and generally to help accelerate the healing crisis. There's also evidence uh, in Grecian culture, and perhaps the Egyptians introduced cupping therapy to the Greeks. Uh, I think we've all heard of the Hippocratic Oath that many medical professionals take when they are becoming medical professionals. So Hippocrates is known to be the father of modern medicine, describes both wet and dry cupping in his Guide to Clinical Treatment. In 400 BC, Herodotus, who is a Greek historian, describes the use of cupping to treat headaches, lack of appetite, indigestion, fainting, abscesses, and narcolepsy. And then we come to the Chinese literature, and what I'll be referring to is the 1973 Wuxi Erbing Fang, also known as the Recipes of the 52 Ailments, was discovered in the ancient Han Dynasty tomb. The tomb was sealed around 168 BC. However, the documents were transcribed into the silk medium around the year 215 BC. Historians claim that original documents date back between the 11th and 8th century BC. But these early Chinese records that support the use of cupping stating that more than half of the illnesses will be cured by acupuncture and cupping. So, seems to be pretty effective. The earliest methods of cupping were performed using horns with air extracted from a small opening in the top. They would use the horns of animals, uh, goats or um, cows, 
And by cutting off the tip of it to create a cone, they would uh, extract the air, either sucking and putting um, beeswax on top of the cone to kind of fill and create that suction to create that cupping effect that we were looking for. This was brought over to North America in the Vancouver region and tribes performed cupping using seashells. The horn method slowly gave way to the use of bamboo, glass, and today normally we see cupping performed with glass or plastic cups. After centuries of using cupping therapy, the modality was ignored by many medical professionals as we uh, brought forth more towards Western medicine. And recently, I think we've seen cupping have a revival. Most people recognize cupping or the cupping marks from the Olympics. I think Michael Phelps was a very popular uh, Olympic winner who was the first to be seen with these purple cups all over his back and shoulders. And he uh, expressed his benefit of cupping therapy and attributed a lot of his wins to his recovery using these cupping procedures. So one thing I want to describe is that there's many different cupping methods. We separate the cupping methods into two separate categories, and there's dry cupping and wet cupping. So to speak about dry cupping, dry cupping is what it sounds like. It's a cup using vacuum to suction the skin. And so when we talk about cupping, we're really talking about a, a pressure system. So if you think about massage therapy, if you're being massaged by a masseuse or go to physical therapy for soft tissue mobilization, what we're seeing is a positive pressure on the muscles to break up any adhesions, to increase blood flow, to stretch the muscles out of their resting pattern in order to induce a recovery process. Cupping works very similar in the alternative state or on the other side of the spectrum, where instead of a positive pressure, you are now seeing a negative pressure, creating a vacuum which will separate the skin from the adipose tissue underneath, from the fascia, from the muscles, and from the bone. And with that, we are creating a vacuum for new blood flow to come into the muscle and to stretch the muscle and the fascia and the skin or integumentary system away to allow those muscles to clear any stagnant blood or um, adhesions in the muscle and to bring in new healthy oxidative blood and nutrients to the system. So through this, that's what we're really looking for is that benefit. From dry cupping versus wet cupping, wet cupping uses a surgical scalpel or blading to pierce the skin and couples it with that suctioning that I spoke about before to release blood and toxins. Um, some things that are needed for the wet cupping, hemogram or blood or clotting time, and a patient's INR, or what we see as the uh, time for clotting. This is very important, obviously, because we are now extracting blood out of there. Some of the benefits of cupping um, seen with a 
systematic review and a meta-analysis just done previously, some of the benefits of cupping uh, were chronicled in the Cupping for Patients with Chronic Pain, a systematic review and meta-analysis by Holger Kramer et al. And this was just published in 2020, so very recent meta-analysis. And in this study, they basically say that cupping dilates topical capillaries and increased dermal blood flow, which has been proven in numerous studies beforehand. Blood vessels in the treated areas by cupping are dilated by a release of vasodilators such as endocene, noradrenaline, and histamine, which lead to increased blood circulation. So we use cupping in our practice at Next Level for many different reasons, mainly to treat musculoskeletal injuries. And the suction from the cupping draws fluid into that treated area. The suction force expands and breaks open those tiny blood vessels or those capillaries under your skin. The body treats that cupping area like an injury, and that's why you'll see the bruise or that purple circle. It sends more blood to the area to stimulate the natural healing process. Many of our modalities that we use here at Next Level are used to create a mycotrauma or a little bit of disturbance in either the muscle or the capillaries to allow the body to see that as a new injury to direct healing factors and blood flow and oxygen and nutrients all to that area to spur on another phase of healing. So many times we'll see injuries that have become stagnant. Um, We can see chronic sprains, strains, pulls, things like that, that have begun a healing process. And for whatever reason, either a re-injury, a step back in healing, doesn't quite finish the healing process. And so these modalities that create a little bit of microtrauma will spur the continuation of that healing process, hopefully to the finish uh, where the muscle or the fascia or the uh, area of injury actually heals. There are some different cupping methods that merit speaking about. One is oil cupping or sliding cupping. And this is a technique where massage oils or... Uh, emollient is applied and cups are attached to the body and then slid around the area. The benefits of this is that you get a bigger cross-sectional area where you can apply that same fascial or scar tissue breaking um, across a, a much bigger area instead of a direct spot. This will not lead to those purple circles, but rather a line of redness or purpleness where a much larger area has been affected. Flash cupping or empty cupping involves a quick repeated application of those cups with local decongestion and circulation over a broader area, much like the oil cupping. And this is where someone is cupping repeatedly uh, over an area. And then there's moxa cupping. And this is the type of cupping that Many people refer to in Eastern practice where they are going along the meridians of your body to decongest your chi or any disturbed chi in your body. So let's speak a little bit about any dangers or precautions that come with cupping. Cupping is more or less a low-risk procedure, and when I speak about low-risk procedure, 
I'm speaking of the cupping that we practice here at Next Level Physio, which is the dry cupping. If you are to incorporate wet cupping, there is a little more research that needs to be done or in your body scan, which is that INR or clotting time that is required. Of course, if you have any bloodborne illnesses, um, viral load, anything like that, that needs to be taken into account. However, with dry cupping, we're not piercing the skin, and so that is uh, not part of our uh, contraindications. Some contraindications that are required to be uh, looked at before we participate in cupping is any excessive dry or cracked skin, because with dry cupping, we don't want to actually pierce the skin. Any open wound or ulcer, which makes sense. Any fractured bones, because we don't want to apply a vacuum to a bone that is not fixed or any injury that is not uh, secured. Any dislocated joints, bleeding disorders, of course, um, hemophilia or a slow clotting time would definitely uh, lead to internal bleeding or other uh, poor clotting factors. Severe anemia falls under this category. Muscle dystrophy. Patients with fear of blood or bleeding or an empty stomach below seven years of age. And that's really for uh, wet cupping because if you are losing blood, your blood pressure will go down. Um, And for those who are on an empty stomach, blood sugar and blood volume levels are important. Abscesses, excessive swelling, because we wouldn't want to add to that. And cupping side effects can come with persistent skin discoloration, scars, burns, and infections. And that's typically associated with that sort of cupping, uh, eastern cupping that uses the alcohol and fire to create that vacuum. Here at Next Level, we use the rubber pump where we can control the vacuum in the cupping a little more uh, appropriately. Uh, With the alcohol and the swab, uh, it is harder to control the amount of vacuum. So let's speak about whether cupping is appropriate for you. So as a physical therapist, I'm going to recommend that, of course, prior to using cupping or any modality, that you are screened by a professional, a healthcare professional, to see if that modality is right for you. However, if you are experiencing muscle soreness, uh, tendinopathies, a stagnant injury that has seen to plateau in the healing process, cupping may be appropriate for you. For more information on cupping and physical therapy, please reach out to us on our social media pages, our Facebook or Instagram. And thank you so much for tuning in.